Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to a special edition of The Lead, the White House in crisis right now. The State Department's Inspector General is on Capitol Hill, briefing congressional committees in what is being described as an urgent meeting as the impeachment inquiry moves forward. As CNN's Sunland Serfati reports, the briefing comes as House Democrats are warning President Trump and his administration not to stonewall their investigation. Amid the impeachment inquiry drama, the State Department Inspector General shuttling to Capitol Hill today to give what congressional sources describe as an urgent and highly unusual briefing. The meeting happening behind closed doors with staffers from several key House and Senate committees requested specifically by the IG to, quote, provide staff with copies of documents related to the State Department and Ukraine. That cryptic email coming just hours after Secretary of State Mike Pompeo attempted to prevent key witnesses from appearing on Capitol Hill. They will be strengthening the case on obstruction if they uh, behave that way. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff today blasting the administration stonewalling, warning that blocking witnesses and documents will be considered obstruction of Congress's duties and would only strengthen Democrats' hands if they drop articles of impeachment. Any effort by the secretary, by the president or anyone else to interfere with the Congress's ability to call before it relevant witnesses will be considered as evidence of obstruction of the lawful functions of Congress. Schiff, now leading the impeachment inquiry, appearing today in a show of force with Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. This president of the United States is stooping to a level that is beneath the dignity of the Constitution of the United States. As several key House committees are readying to issue subpoena to the White House Friday for documents related to President Trump's phone call with the Ukrainian president and the holding up of Ukrainian aid. House Oversight Chairman Elijah Cummings sending a memo today saying, quote, the White House's flagrant disregard of multiple voluntary requests for documents, combined with stark and urgent warnings from the inspector general about the gravity of these allegations, have left us with no choice but to issue this subpoena. Adam Schiff making it clear they won't get drawn into another protracted fight. We're not fooling around here, though. Uh, We don't uh, want this to drag on months and months and months, which appears to be the administration's strategy. And that classified briefing up here on Capitol Hill is now breaking up. Our team outside the door there reports that the inspector general of the State Department has just departed. He did not make any comments on his way out. And staff are starting to filter out of that room where they had, again, that classified briefing for over an hour on the Senate side of the Capitol. Uh, Jake, but certainly the intrigue and the mystery of all this extending all the way up to Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, who just in the last few hours was on a conference call with her entire caucus, and she said she, too, did not know what would be revealed today. Jake. All right. Sunland Serfati on Capitol Hill. Thanks so much. Um, my experts are here with me. Um, Caitlin, take a listen to Speaker Pelosi today talking about President Trump's demeanor. I think the president knows the argument that can be made against him. 
and he's scared, and so he's trying to divert attention from that to uh, where it's standing in the way of legislation. I saw the surprise in his voice that he didn't understand uh, that I thought what he did was wrong, uh, that he was undermining our national security, that he was undermining our constitution by his actions, and he was undermining the integrity of our elections. Your response? What do you think? I mean, I think one of the things that's definitely true in there is that Pelosi believes that President Trump, when she talked to him a, a week ago yesterday, that he didn't understand that what he had done was not perfect, that, that actually could be perceived by many people as wrong, even though it seems as of today, but based on his refusal to answer questions about it, he now is starting to get it, maybe. Yeah, she used the word, the word scared. That's not what any of my sources have used, but they have used that he's in denial about this. And remember, when the president made that phone call to Nancy Pelosi, he said it was about guns. I don't think she really thought it was about guns at the beginning. Neither did some of the aides that I later spoke with. Of course, it then turned to this. Essentially, what was communicated to me by sources is that the president thought he could get on the phone with her and he could change Nancy Pelosi's mind, which is interesting if you've been watching her for the past few months, because it was kind of pretty clear that she was headed this way. And so when they had that phone call, she walks away from it and she thinks that essentially he didn't think she was actually going to do this. She didn't act, he didn't actually think she was going to take this step. So it's interesting to see how she's portraying that call now saying he's scared of what's going to happen, because I think she, he was genuinely surprised that she actually thinks there's something wrong with what he said during that phone call. And that's why you've seen them say that, well, she launched this inquiry before we'd even released the transcript. You, you we used to work at the CIA. You're like, you have training in reading people. How do you interpret? Well, I mean, there's a lot of rats in Washington, D.C., and I, they, I smell a big one here. Let, let me explain why. And it's the president himself who talked about this, starting out with the Russia investigation. Initially, he's so embarrassed that there are allegations of contact with the Russians. We didn't have any contact. Then the contacts are benign. Then when my son, this is him speaking, meets with a Russian, it's it's about adoption. We realize that's a lie because he's embarrassed. Over time, we normalize behavior. And he tells someone, George Stephanopoulos, actually, I think I would accept information from the Russians. Now we come a long way. Now we say not only would I accept it in three years, we've normalized having foreigners interfere with elections so much. He's saying it's a perfect phone call when I ask a foreigner to help me undermine an American electoral uh, opponent. That's what's happening. He knew it because he told us from day one in the Russia investigation, I'm embarrassed about it. And now he's figured out a way to tell the American people this is actually part of the American electoral process. Remarkable. Well, you know, I, I think that's right. The Please idea, the idea that Nancy Pelosi, however, is um, I have to call it like a prosecutor here. This is the court of public opinion. And if I wanted to make sure that people saw my defendant's emotions in a particular light, I wouldn't use things like unhinged. I wouldn't use things like he's apoplectic. I would say things like scared to reflect my own power as opposed to the person's dynamics. So I think mm. what she's doing in many ways here is to structure the argument in much the way that we saw Bill Barr do through a four-page letter, also through a press conference to say the president was acting in this way, not in an obstructive capacity, but because he was offended by the allegations against himself. He was angry and he was defending his own integrity. See how the framing worked to actually discredit the Mueller report before it even began? Now she's looking at the idea of I'm in the court of public opinion. How do I bring my jury pool along? I have to show that I have somehow been in a position of strength to show that this person is weak. And now the president looks as though, again, the American people, that he is in denial, that he is actually scared. What of the big, bad impeachment? And, and Bill, I want to get your reaction to House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff warning that any stonewalling could result in actual uh, other charges and problems for the administration. Take a listen. Any effort by the secretary, by the president, or anyone else to interfere with the Congress's ability to 
call before it relevant witnesses will be considered as evidence of obstruction of the lawful functions of Congress. We're not fooling around here, though. Uh, we don't uh, want this to drag on months and months and months, which appears to be the administration's strategy. What do you think? I think it's very important. I, I think what Phil said is extremely important. The underlying facts have to be hammered home about inviting a foreign government to interfere in our domestic politics to go after an American citizen, and not just in that one conversation, but through Rudy Giuliani and in other respects as well. And secondly, that they're stonewalling and Congress has the right and the obligation to discover what happened. They have this impeachment inquiry. The House of Representatives impeaches. The president and the executive branch have no right to say, we don't think you need this or we don't think you need that once you're in that inquiry. They can say this should be looked at in confidence and camera at a private session and so forth, but not that. So I think those two points for me are key. And I think they should have, they can avoid responding to all the attacks on them, the deflections we were talking about earlier, you know, the media attacks on the media, attacks on Democrats. What matters are, are two things. I think what happened and if the president stops them from finding out exactly what happened, that that itself has to be considered impeachable. And, and Phil, I want you to take a listen to what the president said. Again, inaccurately just describing the whistleblower. Uh, let's run the tape. The whistleblower wrote not that conversation. He wrote a vicious conversation. In other words, he either got it totally wrong, made it up, or the person giving the information to the whistleblower was dishonest. And this country has to find out who that person was, because that person's a spy, in my opinion. A person is not a spy. The person is a whistleblower. The person is a member of the intelligence community. Uh, we're going to go right now to some breaking news. Uh, Congressman Raskett of Maryland talking about the inspector general of the State Department. Let's listen in. And he wanted to give us a packet of information, which is unclassified, uh, which originally arrived at the Department of State addressed to Secretary Pompeo. And it looks like this. So it's in calligraphy. It says, Secretary Pompeo... Attention, Ruth, and it says the White House. So it may have come from the White House, it may not. Uh, we don't know. Then there are a series of um, folders which all uh, come from Trump hotels. So folder after folder that say Trump Hotel. Now, I haven't had time to thoroughly scrutinize everything that's in here, but it's essentially a packet of propaganda and disinformation spreading conspiracy theories. Those conspiracy theories have been widely debunked and discredited. Apparently, the material came in May of this year, and so it coincided with uh, the moment in which Ambassador Yovanovitch was recalled. Uh, so it was clearly targeting her as well as some other people. The inspector general uh, turned it over to the FBI and then has not done anything else internally with it at the Department of State, as far as we understand. When the whistleblower report came out, he felt that he needed to turn it over to Congress. And so we are now in possession of this packet of propaganda and disinformation that was circulated in May. Now, it mentions a number of people that we're planning to see, most notably Ambassador Yovanovitch. Secretary of State Pompeo is trying to block her from coming. We don't think he'll succeed in doing that, but he wants to try to prevent her to coming to Congress to give her testimony. Um, the existence of this packet and its curious history 
raises profoundly troubling questions. Why was Secretary of State Pompeo in possession of this packet of disinformation? Why did he distribute it and circulate it? To whom else did he distribute it and circulate it? Um, And why was his staff involved in that process? So I've got to say that it raises more questions than it answers. I'm not sure that it's necessarily an urgent thing, but I can understand why the inspector general at this point wanted to turn it over. What is the inspector general's concern here? Uh, You'd have to ask the inspector general about that. He just realized that uh, given the whistleblower's account uh, and reporting suggesting that there's been an effort to target Ambassador Yovanovitch and that there is, you know, the effort to deploy the president's cabinet to go abroad in search of conspiracy theories, that this would be relevant. So I imagine that's why. But you'd have to ask him. I mean, he didn't say specifically why he felt he had to turn it over, but that was my impression. Mr. Raskin, is is he alleging, is the inspector general alleging that the secretary of state was targeting the former uh, ambassador with this document of conspiracy theories? Is that what he's alleging? No, he was not alleging that uh, Secretary of State Pompeo did it, but this was all addressed to Secretary of State Pompeo. This is where it came from, and then he made it available to the Inspector General. We don't know who else it was given to, but it's consistent with the conspiracy theories that you see online uh, about um, crowd strike and about Ukraine actually having concocted uh, the whole story about the Russian interference in our election. And of course, uh, Special Counsel Mueller found that there was a sweeping and systematic campaign by Russia to interfere in our election. That's an established fact right now. The intelligence community accepts it. But there are these lingering conspiracy theories, which the president has been promoting, attempting to undermine Mueller's findings about that. And given that the president was not found by Mueller uh, to have been conspiring with Russia, it raises the question, why is the president, why is the White House still trying to undermine the separate finding that Russia had engaged in a sweeping and systematic campaign to undermine our election? That can serve only one person, and that's Vladimir Putin and the Russian government. Who does he think is responsible for that? Who does he think is responsible for that document? The inspector general has no idea where it came from. I mean, of course, on its face, it says it's coming from the White House. This doesn't look like White House stationery. Then there are all of these Trump Hotel folders that are built into it. So it has mysterious and uncertain provenance. So the inspector general was basically covering his bases. He's not alleging any wrongdoing by anyone inside the State Department. Um, Correct. The, The inspector general was basically just saying we're sitting on this packet of disinformation, which came from some uncertain place. Um, And again, this is my interpretation of it. There there may be misconduct by the Secretary of State or other State Department employees in distributing this if they know where it comes from and they know that it does not have any authentic source in the White House. But maybe it did come from the White House. We just don't know where it came from. I think that's the big mystery here. It's very clear what it is. It is a package of propaganda and disinformation and conspiracy theories. The real question is, where did it come from and how did it end up in our lap right now? In advance of this... How did the IG become aware of this? This went to Secretary Pompeo, and then how did it get to the IG? Um, This is a question you have to ask to the IG, but I... 
I believe it was the counsel to the State Department who turned it over to the IG. Did Pompeo so, distribute it in other, any other ways to staffers? We, 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 don't know the, we don't know the answer to that, and we don't know where it came from. The whole thing looks rather amateurish to me. It looks like a, a collection of some newspaper articles that appear to have been coordinated, uh, some emails, um, and then basically a lot of conspiracy theories. Could it be some sort of a false flag operation if it was done so amateurish, as you suggest? It, it, it could be anything at this point. Who knows? Well, what constitutes this meeting? There had been some reporting that the urgent matter related to the State Department retaliating against career officials who tried to cooperate or wanted to cooperate with House Democrats. Did that come up at all today? The, uh, the, that was not the purpose of this meeting. That was not a subject of the meeting. So, so really, the whole meeting consisted of the inspector general turning over this packet of information to us well, and then and then people trying to figure out where it came from and what it all means what constitutes an urgent concern why is this considered urgent if it's unclear where this is even coming from well that that was one of the questions i think a lot of people at the president in the meeting had the the uh the inspector general seemed to feel that he had been sitting on this for months and that it might be relevant to the work of the committee. I mean, the committee is um, obviously, look, the, the big story is the president of the United States was involved in a shakedown operation against the Ukrainian government attempting to obtain political dirt on the Bidens. And he held up hundreds of millions of dollars in foreign military and economic aid in order to make that happen. Then they covered the whole thing up. Uh, as th- There's not much of uh, an effort to refute that on the facts, but there's an effort to try to go underneath it to say uh, that there was a vast conspiracy to make up um, everything that that Special Counsel Mueller investigated. I don't really know the relevance of it. At a certain point, it's hard to follow all of the conspiracy theories, but this packet of information is simply meant to advance the, the conspiracy theory that Mueller's finding that there was a sweeping and systematic campaign by Russia to interfere in our election was specious and fallacious. And, and as you go forth trying to write potential articles of impeachment uh, for the president, you're on the Judiciary Committee. How does that play into this? I mean, is this part of, or, or, and did the IG come forth with this at this point, only prompted by the fact that we are this deep into impeachment at this stage and thought he was compelled to do so? Well, th- there's nothing in here. I think that's directly relevant to uh, the president's impeachable conduct. Uh, it, I don't think it relates to the president's high crimes and misdemeanors, but it, it does relate to uh, efforts to um, sabotage uh, Ambassador Yovanovitch and to um, basically smear a number of uh, employees who perhaps were getting in the way of the president. And I think th- that's really the importance of this document, that there was an organized effort to go after people who uh, the White House or perhaps Mr. Giuliani thought were getting in the way of the president's Did the IG allege that? Did the IG allege that? Did the IG allege? No, no, that, that's my interpretation of the situation. The, 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 the words propaganda, and disinformation, and no, conspiracy no, no, theories. That's, that's totally my interpretation of what this is. He just said I wanted to turn it over. So everybody's going to have to take a look at it and see if you think there's something valuable in there. The case, and that's the case, Congressman, yeah. can you be more specific about the claims that you characterize as conspiracy theories? Like, what are the actual, what are the actual claims that you're characterizing? About? Well, you, you know, I, I imagine everybody, you know, you're going to have to, the committees, I think, are going to be discussing what to do with all of the information. But the names that you've been reading about in the conspiracy theories are in this package. So 
the Bidens are in there, um, Yovanovitch is in there, and so on. So um, th- there's been an attempt to create uh, a, a narrative um, that would somehow justify what the president did. Now, from our perspective, all of it is completely and totally irrelevant. This is an irrelevant distraction from the matter at hand. What the president did was to use the military and national security power of his office in order to try to extract political dirt from a foreign ally, a besieged foreign ally, resisting Russian aggression. That's really the only thing that America understands, and that's all America needs to understand, because the rest of this, I think, is a a propagandistic distortion and distraction of other events. But people will have a chance to read it on their own. All right, we're going to break out of this press conference that is uh, a part of one of the odder developments in this impeachment inquiry. Uh, That was Congressman Jamie Raskin, Democrat of Maryland. He's on the House Judiciary Committee talking about how the inspector general for the State Department uh, for this urgent meeting basically just turned over a bunch of propaganda that had been mailed to uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, uh, alleging uh, in its pages these, uh, these documents a whole host of conspiracy theories having to do with players in the Ukraine scandal, uh, most notably including uh, Ambassador uh, Masha Yovanovitch, who was dismissed uh, by President Trump as ambassador to Ukraine earlier this year. Uh, let's uh, chat about this. Let's start with the intelligence, uh, intelligence expert we have at the table, uh, Phil Mudd. I don't really understand the purpose of the inspector general turning over this documents, and I certainly don't understand the purpose of having a press conference like that if all this stuff is just unproven, not linked to anybody, no proof of wrongdoing by anybody, and all of it is false. Man, are you polite. I will never have your job. <laughs> let me let me give you another interpretation of that. The congressman put his foot in a cow pie and said, isn't this cool? What a hot mess that was. He doesn't know where they don't know where this stuff came from. I could have sent it for all they know. They, he clearly hasn't reviewed it. He hasn't had the time to review it. So we don't know exactly what's in there. He comes to us and says, despite the fact that he jumps out to a press conference 10 seconds later, it's not clear why this was such an urgent matter. And he also says it's not even clear this is relevant to the investigation we have underway. But we need to break through a press conference because we think he's going to say something significant. Let me cut to the chase. He didn't. That was a hot mess in my judgment. This is also confusing because what we had been told was that this was described as an urgent briefing from the inspector general to give to these lawmakers, their staff, And clearly, Manu asked the best question there. He said, well, what is urgent about this? Because as he described it as, quote, amateurish, he said, essentially, we don't know what this is or where it came from or who it was supposed to go to or anything else or how it's related to all of this. So the question is, why did the inspector general, whoever scheduled this briefing, why did they deem it as urgent? All right, everyone stick around. We've got more to talk about. Coming up next, we're going to talk to a 2020 presidential candidate and a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. As President Trump faces an impeachment inquiry, you're watching a special edition of The Lead, The White House in crisis. Stay with us. We are back with breaking news. President Trump, a short time ago, continuing to publicly lash out, claiming he'll cooperate with House Democrats as they prepare to subpoena the White House, though he has not cooperated in the past. And he simultaneously railed against the inquiry as a hoax and attacked the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Joining me now is presidential candidate and Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, who also sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Senator, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to, to talk thanks, to us. Jake. I want you to take a listen to President Trump earlier today on the impeachment inquiry. No Republicans have raised concerns. No Republicans have raised concerns with him, he says. You talk a lot about your ability to work in a 
bipartisan fashion, reach across the aisle, your relationships with Republicans. Have you talked to any of your Republican colleagues about this Ukraine scandal? Are, are they worried at all? Uh, of course I have. And I think we know that for a long time, um, especially uh, when John McCain was still alive, uh, the Republicans uh, were very strong on the fact that you don't want to have Russia invading our allies, invading countries like Ukraine, what they did, not just annex uh, the Crimea, but uh, Russian separatists shooting down a plane, killing innocent people, um, uh, horrific things going on. And in fact, I went to uh, the Ukraine with uh, John McCain and Lindsey Graham and stood there so we could show we stood with our allies. So they have said this in the past, and the president is wrong in that we have seen Republicans voicing concerns. Let's go through it. Two Republican governors um, uh, voicing support for at least for going forward uh, with the impeachment proceedings. Senator Grassley this weekend speaking out very strongly about protecting the whistleblower. Uh, Mitt Romney early on sending out a statement. Um, about his concern mm -hmm. about the president's statements in that in that transcript, so or, or at least memo of the call. Mm -hmm. You can go through it. I'm not saying they've been strong enough, uh, but I just appeal to their patriotism and also those people that work in the White House or used to work in the White House who despise this guy, who know that he's a security risk. Uh, those people who know stuff are going to have to come forward and testify because my guess is there's a lot of corroborating evidence here and that that memo of that call uh, was just the beginning. You've, you've called the Ukraine scandal a global Watergate. You've been calling for impeachment proceedings actually long before this. If impeachment ultimately gets to the Senate, if the House votes to impeach and it goes to the Senate, you will be a juror. Do your comments mean that you have already made up your mind? I think it's important to look at all the evidence and you have no idea what counts are going to come our way, how strong they're going to be. I've been simply very strong on pushing for impeachment proceedings uh, because of what I've heard. And I just view this as a simple, straightforward focus on putting our country first over someone's own political ambitions, their partisan ambitions. And President Trump, from the moment he stood in front of that wall of the deceased CIA agents, that sacred wall, and made a partisan and speech has never respected that line. And that is really the road that we have been on ever since that time. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's why I think it is important to hear all the evidence and to have a fair proceeding. And we're very, you know, Senator McConnell has said we've got to consider this under the Senate rules and have a trial. Well, we better have one. You and other Democratic candidates have been talking about gun control today, the need to take action in your view. But with impeachment hanging over Washington, the impeachment inquiry, is Congress going to be able to get anything done right now, anything legislatively? Uh, maybe it's because I'm a mom, but I've always been able to do two things at once. Uh, that's what this is about. Uh, we uh, in the Senate should be able to do two things at once, and we can. While the House is considering the evidence, uh, there are tons of bills, including three gun safety bills that we're talking about today, universal background checks, majority of Trump voters support them, majority of hunters support them. Uh, the work that has been done on 
uh, pharmaceutical prices, you name it. There are so many bills, uh, election security, that are sitting on Mitch McConnell's doorstep. So there is every reason we can move forward with those bills while the House is considering impeachment. We'll have weeks to do it. And so it's time for him to act on those bills. All right, Senator Amy Klobuchar, 2020 presidential candidate, Democrat of Minnesota. Thank you so much for your time. Have fun out there on the campaign trail. Thanks, Jake. And we will see. Oh, it's good. We just put our first ad out, Jake. AmyKlobuchar.com. AmyKlobuchar.com with a C-H-A-R, we should note. Amy Klobuchar, thank you so much. (laughs) We're going to see Senator Klobuchar and 11 of her opponents on the debate stage soon. We just got the official stage lineup. Once again, former Vice President Biden will be center stage with Senator Elizabeth Warren because they lead in the polls. On the left side of the stage, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, Tom Steyer, the billionaire for his first debate, Senators Cory Booker, Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders, plus uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, businessman Andrew Yang, Congressman Beto O'Rourke, Senator Klobuchar and former HUD Secretary Julian Castro. That's right here on CNN. Tuesday, October 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Coming up. New reporting about the mystery surrounding President Trump's decision to halt that military aid to Ukraine. Why months later, his own administration is quite confused. Stay with us. Today, we're learning that members of President Trump's own administration are still confused as to why President Trump halted millions of dollars in military aid for Ukraine that Congress had appropriated. CNN Sarah Murray has been looking into this. And Sarah, Congress started asking questions about what happened to the funding in July, but an order to freeze the aid may have come before that, before July? That's right. We had previously reported that this came around July. We're now learning it actually came earlier. The president decided in June he wanted to freeze this aid. And he said he wanted the Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, and John Bolton, who was then his national security advisor, to run a policy review. Now, the president said via Twitter this was about, you know, investigating corruption and about making sure U.S. allies pay their fair share. Here is why that doesn't make any sense. Because before the president had ordered this review, the Pentagon and the State Department had already done a review. They had already announced to their own oversight committees in Congress and to the public that this aid was ready to go. And even when the president got back from the G7, the point at which you would assume like you were pressuring your allies to put forth more aid, he still didn't unfreeze this. So we are now four months after this mysterious policy review was ordered. And when you talk to officials in the White House, at the Office of Management Budget, and even at DOD, they do not understand why this review was ordered or even what this review entailed. And of course, this raises suspicions that this could have just been a stalling tactic and that it was politically motivated on the part of the president. The president trying to hold back, as the allegation, hold back this aid until the president of Ukraine does what he wants him to do. Right, exactly. You know, we saw from this phone call, which happened in July, that uh, the president of Ukraine brings up the potential of defense assistance, thanks the U.S. for everything they've done, and all of a sudden the president says, well, I have a favor to ask you. You're also learning about two dates from the whistleblower complaint that are now checking out. What is that? Well, it's interesting because we saw the president again attack the whistleblower's credibility, but a senior administration official said that there were two meetings that were mentioned in the whistleblower complaint in July, and this person confirmed those meetings did occur. They were interagency meetings. They happened on the days the whistleblower said. This person tried to downplay it and said, well, these were junior level meetings. But what we're seeing is the whistleblower complaint more or less is checked out. All right, Sarah Murray, thank you so much. You're watching a special edition of The Lead, The White House in Crisis, a member of the House Intelligence Committee. Democratic Congressman Andre Carson is coming up. Thanks for watching our special edition of The Lead, The White House in Crisis. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jake Tamper. You can tweet the show at The Lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. 
And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.